If the pandemic taught us anything, it taught us that um, time is fleeting, right? There is a very much a fleeting nature of time. Think about it. Um, families especially, up until February 2020, were always like, oh, I've got so much to do, and oh, I'm so busy, and oh, I wish I could just spend more time with my family, oh, I wish I could just have some time at home in which there wasn't all these things to run to, and then March 2020 happened, and then the next thing we hear is, oh my gosh, I'm stuck at home with my family, right? And that was horrible, some kind of excruciating deal, right, where we're stuck at home with our families. And now it is, um, you know, a long time later and everything's opening up and hearing from the families at Vacation Bible School and having conversations with them, I'm already hearing things like, boy, I just wish I had time at home with my family like I used to have time at home with my family, right? We have a very complicated relationship with time and not, not very healthy relationship with time. When we have it, we squander it. When we don't have it, we want it, right? The best way to talk about it is the fact that time is fleeting. It just plain gets away from us. It goes, it's fleeting. Next thing you know, it's just gone, right? And I learned that lesson the hard way. I learned that lesson early on in my life, the fleeting nature of time. As you might remember, my folks divorced when I was six. They split when I was six, and we had six horrible months with my mother. Um, and then in what was um, a just traumatic transition, my dad came back and my mom was gone, and that was just all just terribly difficult. Now those probably would have been considered, by any stats or measures, the worst years in our family time. And yet for me there were a lot of silver linings in those clouds. Uh, my dad worked in the city of Chicago. We lived in the suburbs. He left early. He came home late. I had no concept of what it meant to be a latch kid, latchkey kid. I thought that's how it all was, right? My dad was a single father of five kids. I was far and away the caboose. I had no concept that you were supposed to have an adult in the home after school. It just was what it was. We were, you know, responsible to fend for ourselves. And yet when my dad was there, he was gone a lot, but when he was there, man, I was right there by his side. I was right next to him. And I didn't have much, but I had him. And that was really all that I needed. I mean, the fondest memories I have of that chapter in my life were every Saturday morning, my dad and I got up before anybody else and we went and got donuts for the family. Every Saturday afternoon, we went grocery shopping together. I was kind of his little buddy, his little helper, and he bought one steak that we shared among the, the, the six of us. And that was just cherished time. We had so much fun together. And I remember studying him. I remember just, you know, how he worked, what he did, his idiosyncrasies. There was nothing that I wanted other than to be exactly like my dad. That was my hope and goal in life. Well, my dad ultimately wound up dating and then remarrying and, and then that time just ended. So I understood the fleeting nature of time. And it was confusing, right? 
Because in some ways, those should have been the best years. Those, that next chapter should have been the best years. But for me, they were tinged with sadness of time that got away, right? Just always wishing for more, never having enough. It was truly challenging, right? Again, that was when I was 10 years old. And when I was 11 years old, Harry Chapin released a song and it became a big hit, Cats in the Cradle. And that song just meant so much to me. Bought the 45, listened to it till about wore out. Because, you know, the parts of that song where he talks about, you know, my son turned 10, you know, I gave him a ball and then didn't have time enough to play with him. That's really a chunk of my narrative, was exactly that experience and that type of experience. And then later when, in the song, when he talks about coming home from college and the narrative shifts and suddenly the son doesn't have enough time, well, that was my narrative too. Until I went home at 20 years old from a college break and my dad had a heart attack and died in front of me. And so again, that hard lesson of the fleeting nature of time. We always wish we had more, and yet we never quite have enough. I rediscovered Cats in the Cradle in college, <laughs> um, and that song was an integral part of my grief recovery and the hard work that I had to do to deal with that loss and that pain. The song Cats in the Cradle was written by Harry Chapin, but it was based on a poem that his wife wrote, and she didn't write it about his relationship with their children. She wrote that poem based on her first marriage and her first husband's relationship with her son, with their son. And so all of the, what are probably lost now on on most audiences, but older folks would know, all of these lyrics that have to do with nursery rhymes and all this stuff, that was just helpful for folks our age to be able to realize that each one of us has this childlike person inside of us at the depth and core of who we are, always who looks up and reveres, who admires, who wants to be their dad. And yet that poor stewarding of time, that's the nature of fatherhood. It's interesting because Harry Chapin himself died tragically and way too early. But before he died, when interviewed about this song, even though it wasn't about him and his relationship with his children, what he said of this song was, the song scares me to death. Because the pressure that fathers feel to always want to be perfect for these children who emulate them, most fathers don't do terribly well with that and shrink and fail from that. Well, Psalm 103 describes this exact stuff. You know what you get to do today? I haven't been able to say this in a couple years. Um, you can open your pew Bibles to Psalm 103. It's on page 543. We're starting at verse 11. Again, if you're at home and have your device at home, I um, want to encourage you <clears throat> that it would be Psalm 103 starting at verse 11. This psalm was written a thousand years before Jesus, so it really points to the eternal nature of 
father's relationship with their children and with time. And so again, for as far as the heavens are high above the earth, so great is God's steadfast love to those who fear him, as far as the east is from the west. And then in verse 13, as a father has compassion for his children, so the Lord has compassion for those who fear him. For God knows how you were made, and he remembers that you are dust. And then the whole institution of what it means to be a human being compared to what it means to be God. For mortals, as for mortals, their days are like grass. They flourish like a flower of the field, for the wind passes over it, and it is gone. And it knows its place no more. But I want to pause here and say that for all of our um, looking at this and reflecting, it's not about us. It's not about you. It's not about me. It's not about our ability or inability to do anything. It's really ultimately about God and about God's love, about God's love for you, about God's love for your children, about God's love for your father and your mother. So in verse 17, but the steadfast love of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him and his righteousness to children's children. We can't love the way we should, but God does. God loves you as you ought to be able to love. And if you can't, God still loves you. God's love is in you and it goes through you from generation to generation, although generations haven't done very well. <laughs> and the whole institution of fatherhood over the generations has failed miserably. We have not done well, men, and we ought to consider that. Look at some of these statistics. National Public Radio says 85% of youth who are currently in prison grew up in a fatherless home. Kids need their dads. Children without a father are four times more likely to be living in poverty than children with a father. Again, kids need their dads. According to the Census Bureau, 18.3 million children, one in four, live without a biological step or adoptive father in the, in the home. One in four children do not have a father in the home. And only 68% of all children will have a, an entire intact family from birth until they leave. You know, we aren't so good at this. Societally. Dads, moms, we're not great at this. But it doesn't matter because God is. I mean, let's think about the notion of father time. You know, we think about Mother Earth, a very positive image, Father time, if you Google images of father time, oftentimes father time has a, has a sickle. <laughs> I mean, that's how dark it is, right? It's usually an old guy with regrets sitting in front of some timepiece watching time slip away, right? We have a hard time as fathers loving the way we should. I mean, one of the things that I knew, uh, my half-sister, my dad and stepmom had a kid, my half-sister was born um, 12 years after me. And so when I went to have kids, I had kind of better instincts in some ways than Rose did. And I kind of knew the deal, right? When our kids were born, I knew I was going to be second fiddle because I was not food source. All right. 
So I just knew that that wasn't going to work. And at the same time, cultural norms, I went out, I was a hunter-gatherer, right? I went out and I earned the living, which then made me not present as much. Now that can cause one of two things. It either causes you to say, I'm not going to be the best, so I'm going to quit and give up now. Or it means that I need to double down and I need to be even more intentional than I should have been. I need to be more intentional because I'm going to be the one who's always second fiddle. So I need to work twice as hard. In my life, sometimes I was good at that as a dad. Sometimes I was not. And that just is the way it is, right? It is seemingly a father's lot in life to always be pressed against the fleeting nature of time, to never quite have enough of it, to always wish we had more, and to perhaps not steward it as well as we should so that it gets away. And the next thing you know, you're old and filled with regrets. It doesn't matter where you are right now. Doesn't matter if your kids are gone. Doesn't matter if um, you're just starting out, if you're even thinking about being a dad. Doesn't matter where you are. Doesn't matter if you're a dad or a mom. We need to remember the love of God, which is from everlasting to everlasting. We can still love no matter what day it is, no matter how much baggage you have, no matter how good or bad it was, you can start today by making the choice to love as God has loved you. In a way that's sacrificial, in a way that's intentional, in a way that truly makes an effort, in a way that truly makes a difference. Love. And love well. Father's to sons, fathers to daughters, children to dad, husbands to wives, wives to husband, neighbor to neighbor. Steward your time well. It's fleeting. And love well in the name of God. I'll leave you with a story of Randy Long. He's a guy who lives in Montgomery, Alabama. He, um, he loved playing ball, loved coaching ball, for his son and then his grandson even. And, you know, he's older now, and he went to clean out the garage, and he saw the old bucket of balls that was there from all of the years ago, and he, he just had a moment. So he wrote a handwritten note, he placed it on the bucket of balls, and then he was preparing to take that bucket of balls uh, to the batting cage to just donate it. And his wife saw the note in the bucket of balls, she took a picture of it, she sent it to their son, and he tweeted it out, and it went viral. And the son contacted the dad, um, contacted um, Randy and said, hey, um, your tweet went viral and it's had this many. And he's like, I don't tweet. I don't know what that means. Right. But then it got picked up by the local newspapers and then ultimately got picked up. Um, by one of my favorites, Steve Hartman, who does On the Road. Um, Steve reads part of the note, but what you need to know is that so much of the note was actually had faith-filled stuff. And you can even see faith markings on, on them um, as they talk about it in this clip. So just know, 
um, and you can actually see it on the note, just know that these are people of faith. So let's take a watch. There you go. A couple weeks ago, Brian Robinson and his son Carter were at this batting cage in Montgomery, Alabama, when a random stranger threw him a high hard one to the heart. There was this bucket of balls with a note. The note read, hope someone can use some of these baseballs. I pitched them to my son and grandson for countless rounds. The writer went on to say that his family is now grown and gone, but what he wouldn't give to pitch a couple of buckets to them. If you are a father, cherish these times. Brian and his wife Stormy read that note with tears in their eyes. It felt like a, it felt like a moment for us. It still does. It does. We need to soak in more of our kids and time with our kids. Just the message the author intended. I was just hoping it would inspire some people. Randy Long used to love watching and coaching his kids. So much so that when he came across that old bucket of balls in his garage, he couldn't bring himself to just throw away the memories. He says he needed closure. It was like a goodbye, wasn't it? Yeah, I think it was a sign-off <laughs> sign type thing. Uh, okay, uh, you know, that chapter is gone. Oh, let's see what else, you know, what else is coming on. But unbeknownst to Randy, his baseball days were headed into extra innings. You want a fist bump? This week, he met the Robinsons at a local park where Randy learned about a void in Carter's life. The boy lost both his grandfathers at a very young age. They never saw him play. We'd love for you to come I was going to say, please let me know. All right. Randy said he'd definitely be at the next game and then asked Carter for a little catch. Right where I headed. You can see the smile on my face, Carter? <laughs> this is bringing back memories. Seems now Iowa isn't the only state Pop up. with a field of dreams. <laughs> it's what I've always wanted for him. I'm sure a lot of people across the country now are realizing that's not just a bucket of balls anymore. No, it's a fountain of youth and a binding force for generations. Steve Hartman, CBS News, on the road. Time is fleeting and we are like grass, but the steadfast love of God endures forever. Steward your time well, because you never know how much you're going to have and when your days will be done. So on this Father's Day, I implore you, fathers, sons, fathers, daughters, children to dads, husbands to wives, wives to husbands, friends to neighbors, be intentional and love, has, love as God intends you to do. Happy Father's Day.